Yo, it's Julian on the Breno and another of my bite-sized pieces on Ukraine. Who is the biggest villain in this entire conflict? Well, it isn't Russia. Not if you're looking at the whole picture here. It's a military-industrial complex. One of the most onerous entities on planet Earth for the last hundred years is the military-industrial complex, which has become a near parody name. What this all led to is entirely down to the military-industrial complex making money. At the end of the 80s, the Soviet Union had collapsed. Now, for the entire Cold War, from the end of World War II, and I'm guessing two world wars kind of kicked the military-industrial complex into gear because they were very expensive. They involved refiguring entire economies for vast parts of the world into making weapons. So they created businesses where businesses didn't exist and when it comes to the military industrial complex they do more to create most businesses will create a reason for themselves to exist unfortunately with the military industrial complex creating a reason for themselves to exist is the antithesis of us having a happy peaceful world they thrive in war and conflict that's people don't need their guns if there isn't any war or conflict. So they create paradigms in which they're essential. And if there's ever a reason for them to exist, they promote it. So they have people, they promote politicians that are on their side and are warlike over peaceful ones. If people are warlike in uh, the military or government connected to foreign policy, they often thrive over people that look for peaceful means. Because there's a lot of money coming in on one side that's promulgating the use of weapons globally and that in turn makes the world less safe, which in turn makes them more money. So we're stuck in this awful paradigm. The Cold War at the end of World War II led to two superpowers, America and the Soviet Union, facing off and spending enormous parts of their budget on weapons. And um, that wasn't for the benefit of anyone um it it benefited the world that these two superpowers actually had nuclear weapons at that point because they didn't use them if they had obviously if they had have used them it would have um, been world war three and it would have been a calamity but the fact that they didn't meant that america and russia never engaged in a in a proper war with each other just through prox proxies just the same as they did with china just the same you know in places like korea or in um, Vietnam. It was always a proxy country in the way, even through wars like Afghanistan. But once the Soviet Union collapsed in on itself at the end of the 80s, and there were a, a number of the most tantalizing one in a century possibilities that have, have ever presented themselves. And it was a lasting global peace and a reconfiguring of the world, which could only happen once in a hundred years where everything that began at the start of World War One, which was essentially broadly Russia v. China in both cases, Russia v. China, Russia v. Germany in both cases, and then that spreading across the globe and, and, and sucking the rest of the world in. So at the end of, um, at the, end of the um, Cold War, with ironically Reagan in power and Gorbachev, there were these overtures made between Russia and America and the other two biggest 
military powers of the region, uh, France and Britain, on the fact that now NATO was obsolete. There was no need for NATO without a Soviet Union to oppose it. Russia had been the bad guy on the world stage for 40, 50 years and was gone as a bad guy. Suddenly they were our friends. <laughs> so we created Islamic fundamentalism to be the bad guy up until we then made Russia the bad guy again. So there was this tantalizing outreach, which was Russia said, you don't need NATO anymore, and we don't mind if you reunify Germany, which had twice come at Russia, and they had legitimate concerns over a very strong Russia, uh, Germany coming at them again in the future. So let's build a new peace. Let's, there was an opportunity for Russia, Britain, France, and America to all be on the same side as they were in World War II and World War I. They were allies up until the Cold War. There was an opportunity not only for a peace without NATO or without um, the uh, massive spending on armaments that was building up tension and justifying its own use. And that would have had the knock-on effect that all of these countries that were spending so much money on military could spend it on social programs, could spend it on improving their countries. All these very, very poor ex-Soviet countries in the east of Europe could spend all of this money on social programs, infrastructure development, and the world would have been a much better place and we wouldn't be where we are now. This is from Chris Hedges, a piece I read out uh, in another uh, bit. The journalist Chris Hedges, who's still got uh, the best concise understanding of how we got to war in Ukraine. And he's saying at the end of the Cold War, at the start of the 90s, there was a near universal understanding among diplomats and political leaders at the time that any attempt to expand NATO was foolish, an unwarranted provocation against Russia that would obliterate the ties and bonds that happily emerged at the end of the Cold War. How naive we were. The war industry did not intend to shrink its power or profits. It set out almost immediately to recruit the former communist bloc countries into the European Union and NATO. Countries that joined NATO, which now include Poland, Hungary, the Czech Republic, Bulgaria, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Romania, Slovakia, Slovenia, Albania, Croatia, Montenegro and North Macedonia, were forced to reconfigure their militaries through hefty loans. The West gave them loans that they then had to take the debt, the public took the debt on and then bought American and British military hardware with. That's how dis obscene the military industrial complex is. Instead of going into these impoverished countries and us lending them money to rebuild infrastructure, we lend them money, we place a debt on the public, so we force the government not to do things like raise minimum wages, not to um, you know improve, uh, expand social welfare, and to let foreign com companies come in and rape and pillage their country. Because we've given them these loans and the public owes so much money on these loans, we control their economies. So we won't let them develop in a more socialist friendly way. We enforce them in a neoliberal way saying you've got to pay this money back. But the public aren't getting the money. The money is then simply transferred back to the British and American military contractors that are selling them the weapons. And the public of, say, the UK or France or mainly America, their taxpayers lend their money 
to a foreign country that's impoverished who don't get the money, they just get the bill, and the American and British military companies get the money and weapons pour in. And that's what happened to all of those countries. There would be no peace dividend. The expansion of NATO swiftly became a multi-billion dollar bonanza for the corporations that profited from the Cold War. If Russia would not acquiesce again to being the enemy, then Russia would be pressured into being the enemy. And here we are on the brink of another Cold War. If you, everyone jokes about how bad things were under communism. You have a look at a lot of those post-Soviet countries since the end of communism. They are not shining metropolises now. You look at somewhere like Moldova. A lot of these countries have gone backwards since communism ended. This is something we don't talk about. We never talk about how even though the Soviet Union wasn't the equal of America when it came to the quality of life, it improved dramatically from where it started. A lot of the Soviet Union was far worse off than America when communism started and had increased by the end of communism and has since decreased under capitalism. A lot of these countries are shot to pieces now and they were fully functioning if poor before and now they are basket cases economically and we keep pressuring them to buy more and more military hardware because they need NATO. Now the thing about the military industrial complex is the worse their behaviour is the more they're needed. The more egregious the world gets the more warlike the more conflicts happen and the more they're needed. Their stock goes up the worse they behave. This war will double their profits. They went into all these post-Soviet countries and said, you, want, you have to join NATO, you have to have all these loans. The coup in Ukraine in 2013 was Ukraine rejecting loans from the EU. But all these countries now are saddled with these huge loans, which they say, oh, you're a member of NATO, you have to bring your military up to the same standard as Britain and America, so you buy all this stuff off of us. It's the biggest con in town but it destroys the world and it stops spending on infrastructure and healthcare and education and roads and pavements and everything else. The biggest cancer on this planet next to economic neoliberalism of which it's a firm brother is the military industrial complex and the biggest villain in this Russian war in Ukraine is the military industrial complex mainly based in countries like Britain and America.